caring. It's I care. I care a lot. It's kind of my thing. Um, <laughs> but that that's also part of that human element, you know. Um, Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. Um, I have to contact Apple support like the, the, the right AirPod for some reason has just started to die. Oh, so, you're in Juanza. Yeah. Well, it, this happened before <laughs> and then I was able to actually reset it and it worked. I've mm. gone in, I've cleaned them out. I have done the whole reset, repairing all of that. And like, there's just a little bit of sound. So if you want to talk about like balance all of the sound is like over here. It's normally like you know centered, obviously. Right. So I got to contact Apple support and, and get that get that figured out. Well, if you figure that out, you should connect with Jawanza because I think he posts about it like every two or three days where one of them will mm-hmm. be like 99% and the other one will be like 3% all the time. Okay. So. I mean, this one for some reason drains faster, but I think it's because they also have like the automatic mic switching. And I'm wondering if it defaults uh. to, to the right side with the mic so i'm wondering if that drains it faster but i remember but you're not using ago, the mic here right you're using the external no mic. no no just like on like regular calls and whatnot ah. phone calls and things like and when i use it there because i've that's also when i've noticed they've drained faster so in situations like this or other client project calls where i use this <laughs> mic with the, the headset they, they they last much longer got it jen can't hear us so we could probably talk about no it right i now. i can oh shoot i can now Um, I have no idea why it just kind of disappeared and then came back. So, but I'll, I'll close a bunch of other things and maybe that'll help. I'll even close Charles, which might make me blip away for a moment, but. Okay. Seems all right. All right. All right. Cool. We got it going. We do. So. Um, today's topic, it's a follow-up Jason to a conversation you and I had a couple weeks ago and we, we were talking about it. We covered it from one perspective, but I think there's another perspective we could still talk about it. So this is, um, being human at work part two. So the previous conversation focused around, you know, that, that the thing we've always been taught where you have like that professional version of yourself and. You know, you're seeing more and more people drop that and be much more who they really are and not so much their their corporate selves. But the one thing we didn't talk about was uh, the, the idea of you know being human at work and, and not being machines. You know, at, at times, especially I know the last several months have been draining for just about everybody for for, for many different reasons. You know, like I, work, work's been stressful and then you add on the, the, the stress of everything else that's happened you know, productivity is going to take a hit and, and people just aren't humans designed to stamp out the same number of widgets day after day after day. Um, so you know, how, how do we deal with this? Because, I mean, I know like uh, earlier today, I, for, for example, for me, I was fighting it. It took for, it, it was a battle getting out of bed. It was a battle just trying to get started. And there was stuff I was hoping to get done. So there's there's that pressure, but then also pressure from say management or whatever to, to get things done. Um, how do we as individuals it's, it's feel that? passive aggressive. No, not at all. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yes, because Jason puts so much pressure on us all the time. <laughs> but he doesn't need to because we feel and the pressure my next question is. <laughs> But then my next question was going to be, you know, how do we support others? Um, knowing, you know, other people have, you know, are, are, are just as, say, stressed out or kind of, you know, to that point. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really difficult, but you you hit the nail on the head is that, I mean, obviously from an individual level, we can talk about how we can be better at work and how we can work better, but a lot of it is environment driven, right? I mean, so if we don't have a supportive management team, if we have um, unrealistic targets we need to hit, that, that has, it's a hard time not letting that impact how, how you operate. So I, I think the discussion really has to be at, at that level is, you know, how do we run teams smarter? How do we think better? And how do we, you know, look at us like we're humans, right? And um, Jim, you and I were on a, a client call the other day and um, one of our clients said, you know, I have to realize, and I, I do that you're human, right? And that that goes through the filters, I think about how we work and how we set expectations. But historically, I, I think we haven't been treated as that, you know, employees have been treated as a, as a number, as a, as a resource. And, you know, we do the math and say, well, resource X can produce Y and that's great for us. And we kind of dehumanized it. Yep, totally. So I'm really going to stir the pot now and, and mention, you know, especially in the, the consulting world, you know, when you have a, a, a set billable rate or set number of billable hours, you're expected to bill, you know, you know, per week and, you know, spend on per week it, um, you know, that, that's where you just see the, you know, mounting pressure there. For sure. <laughs> I was hoping yeah. to get a bigger reaction from you. Well, on that one. <laughs> well you, you, you preach it to the choir. I know. Yeah. We, we it, definitely get that, but yeah. Um, and, and it was kind of central to it too, obviously what, what we're doing, but I think, regardless of the model, I, I think the overarching, it, it's easy to see and it's easy to um, pin it on something where you you bill by the hour because it's very tangible. But, but even as employees, just think about our own past work history. Um, we've been bucketed into, bucketed into this notion that our worth is our time at work. And for, for us that work in an office, that's typically what, eight, nine-ish to five, six, right? Like something in there, that's the expected time we work. And our value has inherently been based on the fact that we were in an office between between those hours. So even if I'm not billing hours per se, that that time that I'm there is has historically defined our, our value. And it's un, it's unfortunate um, because it's it's so much it's so much greater than that. Um, and to your point, Jim, I think once once we're able to break away from that, I, I truly believe it makes for a much more rewarding, enjoyable work experience, which translates to a more enjoyable life experience. Because, you know, to your point, some days like it's not there, like some days you struggle and other days, you, you know, you're, you're hitting on every cylinder. You should be able to have the autonomy and the choice to say, you know what, I just don't have it right now. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to do something else, right? I'm going to go play with my my kid. I'm going to just go hang out and do nothing for a couple hours. And that should be completely okay. But if if we built into that the system that values our the the judges our value as the number of hours of work we put in, I think we we're the ones that are putting that pressure on ourselves, right? It's like, well, if I don't sit here and feel like I'm working for 8 hours, then I'm I'm not doing what I should be doing. And I and I just think it's a false paradigm. And I'm just thinking back because I've been really lucky that over the last, I don't know, four or five jobs that I've had, all of them have been remote. And while this is the first one that I had that was uh, not, I don't have timesheets or anything like that, not having timesheets hasn't changed things a ton for me just because, uh, for instance, for a while, I was one of the top build uh, consultants for a very large consulting agency slash analytics vendor. And I, I even have a little award for it for a number of hours built, but it wasn't the fact that I was putting in 60 or 70 hour weeks to me that was cool. It was, I was getting a lot of stuff that was very valuable for my client at a time when they really needed it. Um, and while that was not sustainable and I would never do that again for long periods of time. Um, to me, the emphasis never was on the hours build. It was the the work delivered, um, and fortunately, all of my previous employers seemed to be on board with that. Um, even if on paper, not so much. Um, but that that does help a lot 
to me, reframing it that way helps a lot with the feeling like a human and not a timesheet. Um, being able to focus on the the work you're doing, whether or not you're following an hourly model, you can still focus on the the hours, the the projects you're delivering and the, and the deliverables um, rather than the hours. For sure. Um, so let me turn the tables a little bit because I want to ask the two of you a question. Uh, and both of you have worked um, a considerable amount of time in a services-oriented role, meaning you're you're interacting with a client, with the public. So someone in your position, again, and we can abstract it from consulting and just looking at it more of a services role where you're interacting with a customer, how much of how either you're treated or you feel like a human in your role, how much of that impacts how you then turn around and interact and treat the customers that, that you're dealing with? Does that, does that question make sense? I think so. I think it's kind of hard for me because, uh, especially with the, the last podcast on, on being human, for me, I don't have an off switch to that. I am very <laughs> much my human self, whether you want it or not. Um, so I, I just kicked off with a new client and it was funny to me how jarring it was like, oh, they don't know me yet and I have to be much more on my guard. Um, and, and not that I'm like messing up all over the time with the clients that I, I, that know me better, but it is, it's more stressful when you haven't yet kind of established that, oh, I'm human. You're human too. Nice to meet you. <laughs> um, so yeah, there, there is always kind of that ice that you have to break with any new client. Um, I'm trying to think if I have examples of folks where I never got past that and nope, I'm just going to keep on human in. <laughs> Jim, what do you think? Um, see, it's kind of tough. Like, I, I guess I'm kind of along the, the, the same lines. I'm going to be me to, to a degree. Um, I mean, I've had those, those clients that don't really care. And I guess it, it doesn't necessarily come from the job side per se, you know, being treated as, as human. And does, does that then reflect on client work? I, I don't necessarily think that has so much impact. Sometimes it's what the, the clients are looking for. I mean, I've had those clients that they could care less, right? You know, it's, we, we do need these widgets stamped out. So it's like, okay, I, I, I've got a job to do. Fortunately though, for you know every one of those, I usually have three that, that enjoy the, the other side, that when we come and visit, they maybe wanna go out and have a, a drink or two after work just to, just to shoot the shit, right? Um, or you know they, we, we start off regular calls with, stories of just what's going on. Um, and it, so normally I take my cues, you know, from the client and cause yeah, the, you're going to have those clients from time to time that just, 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 just need a job done. Yeah. And, and, and the reason I was asking the question, cause we started out the conversation about where, where do we attack this? And from an individual's perspective, how much leeway do you have if you're working within an environment that doesn't support that? Um, and, and the reason I was thinking about it is right before we jumped on um, the podcast, I was talking with my, my mortgage lender who uh, for some reason had attacked uh, a late payment on. And I, I'm like, here's why you guys of what you've done is wrong. And I kind of laid out the argument and I could tell that the customer support representative on the other side was empathetic, but really, you know, their, their hands were tied and, and, and maybe that's an extreme example because they work for a massive organization where it's very, very scripted. Um, but, but even still, even if there was some leeway, I, you know, I, I find myself thinking how much impact does the individual have? You know, even, even if you do work in an environment that maybe, um, doesn't look at customers as humans and looks at it more transactional, but you yourself, you know, take a very humanistic view of things, how much influence can an individual truly have, right? Because I, we, we have a pretty broad range of listeners to our, our podcast. We have a lot of people that are in, you know, mid-management, maybe a few executive upper management. We have a lot of people that are doing like amazing things in, in more individual contributor roles or even just kind of um, out there doing things um, by themselves. How much influence 
can the one group have versus the other? Uh, again, coming back to my original thought, is this something that really has to come top down where we create the right environment? Or is this something that can be uh, leveraged and changed grassroots by a few individuals saying, you know, I may not be able to change the whole ship, but at least my little area, I can have a little change in, in how we do things. I think it's a bit of both, of course. Mm -hmm. You're going to need a bit of both. I just keep thinking back to uh, of all the jobs that I've had where I felt like less human and more a widget maker. Uh, it was an internship that I had. Um, and it was in France, so I don't know if some of it was just different work culture or what, but they were very about the appearances of you need to look hard at work. That's what we're paying you is to look hard at work. And uh, little things like the train schedule for most folks, the train would get you to the office by 9.04 a.m. Or you could take the half hour earlier train to make sure you're there well in advance. And rather than say, you know what, it's okay if y'all are four minutes late, um, because we, we get that that's just the way the train schedule is. We need everybody in before, because it's very important that we are there by that 9 a.m. to show management. And my boss would say, like, to me, it doesn't really matter. But you have to think of how it looks to upper management. So even though I'm okay with you coming in a little bit later and, and want to be reasonable, the appearances to upper management of when you walk through that door is very important. Um, and I can't think of something less humanizing than, than that, you know, um, that it, it does give the sensation that your, the appearance is much more. We're, we're playing a part. Happen. Right. And, and I think we talked about that quite extensively, didn't we, Jim, on our last podcast on the topic where we talked about this need to play a, a role, right? Like we were mm -hmm. an actor, some kind of a corporate mm -hmm. actor and, and we were playing a role and, um, that while we've made tremendous strides forward in, in how we work and how we look at, at work and uh, and all of that, that history of playing a role is still very apparent in a lot of a lot of what we do. And, you know, how do we unwind that? Because to Jen's story, I, I don't know if it is. A, I, I, I think that thing's pretty pervasive across cultural bound, you know, barriers. Um, I remember back to my, my first job, it was a, a very hot topic of, of conversation. And I share this story not to say that I was any kind of a big deal. I had no idea what I was doing on my first job out of college. I was trying to learn, but um, I my team was mostly like 20, 21 year old kids, and I was I think I was twenty one or twenty two. My first job out of college, and um, we were all trying to figure out life in general, let alone work. And um, I, I think I just came with a little bit more experience. I had I had a master's degree, and I had spent a year. Um, teaching a college course. So I had a little bit of maybe a little bit more experience than the rest of the team, but I was constantly finding myself in the middle or the low half of the curve when it came to being graded. Um, well, like on my performance and I had a, a very, um, a very raw conversation with my boss at the time. And I said, I don't, you know, can you help me understand what I'm doing wrong? You know, I'm, I, I feel like I'm, checking all the boxes that you want me to do from a, a work delivery standpoint. I'm, I'm actually going above and beyond in these other areas that you've challenged me for yet when it comes to ratings, which dictate my pay, which dictate my bonuses, I'm always on the low end of the curve. And he said, you just have the appearance that you're not working very hard. And I said, I, I don't understand. That's not coming across in what I'm actually producing. He said, I know, but you have to realize that, when when people that don't necessarily work with you day to day look at you, they're judging you on the appearance of how hard you're working. And and again, a lot of my my team members, we were you know trying to figure things out in our first job, and you can imagine like scrambling around, and you look really busy. Everything's always hectic because like you just don't know what's going on. And for some reason, I just had a little bit more, and I earned the nickname the nickname Zen at the time. I was just a little bit more Zen and a little bit more calm. And that came across as you're just not working hard enough, right? So I, I mean, I think it's, a, I think it's deeply um, built into kind of how we work. That a lot of it is, it's about, uh, it is about appearances. A lot of times, it is about, well, are they, they have the appearance of working hard? Um, and and I don't know how we start to unwind that because we can have the conversation all day long about, you know, judge, judge me on the outputs. Like, what are we creating? But if that if that doesn't then change the way that we do things like 
promotions and pay and bonuses and then I, I don't know if anything changes. Well, three months of quarantine might have forced some folks' hands on. I hope maybe, yeah. Maybe, hopefully. It, it's definitely yep. shining a light on a lot of things for sure. So this this could be a forced change for sure. I, I, I hope so. Yeah, like I thought I saw something the other day where saying like 35 to 40% of people, you know, um, have felt better working from from home and want to continue doing so even after you know offices begin to to open back up. I hope so. Um, and 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 I still think we can take advantage of this this time because I I, I think there are a lot of people um, that are are seeing the advantages of of this. And I don't want to say working from home or remote, just more autonomy in, yeah. in the job, right? Exactly. It's, it's not it's not about the location it's about the trust and autonomy and i and i hope that this is really helping shine a spotlight on that that this is a, a much better way of working a much better way of managing um a, a team but i but i am still seeing some concerning things uh, specifically on social media where i'm seeing people saying things like i i you know i feel bad that i you know i'm not sitting in my home office for seven hours a day or i'm getting burned out trying to sit in my home office for seven hours and i'm like why are you doing that like don't don't do that you know you're at you're at home you have all of this freedom and autonomy now like change that that mindset that we have to be chained to our desk for for eight hours to be seen as as being productive so I still think, and it's hard, right? Look, we, you know, the three of us have worked remotely for a long time. And I think a lot of the things that just come natural to us, it's hard for us to put that beginner's mind back on. For me, I started working remotely, what, 2007 or eight? Like it's been 12 years. Um, so it's hard for me to go back to the beginning to understand. And so when I see these people are like trying to recreate the office home, I'm like, what are you doing? But you know, I was probably in the same situation early on, like freaking out, like, how are they going to know I'm working? Am I, I'm, you know, how are they going to know I'm online? All of those conversations. So I, I think we have to, we have to think about that as well. Yeah, totally. Um, and I was just thinking back to, Jen, when you were mentioning your internship, um, you know, my, mine as well. You know, I, we've talked about, you know, me interning for a minor league baseball team, and we've mostly talked about me being a mascot, but we also worked in the front office. And this was a job where we were getting paid like $130 every week or even every two weeks. So, I mean, it was, we, we were getting paid next to nothing, but we were working 12 to 14 hour days. We'd be showing up at 9 a.m. And then if there was a home game, we were working through until the game was over and we were leaving with, 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 with the players. Um, so, or sometimes we'd be some of the last ones to, to shut the lights off, off at night. And I remember this one time, like it was a grueling homestand. It was like 36 days of nothing but home games. And it was just one of those afternoons. A couple of us were standing around like this bullpen area where they, all the interns were. And, we're just talking, you know, we're, we're taking 15 minutes just to kind of clear our heads before we go about the next thing. And the GM came running through and he just, he decided he rip everybody a new one and then went to each of our bosses about it. And we're all just like, we're, we're, we're putting in tremendous amounts of time. We can't take 15 minutes just, just to cool off. And that, that was one of those things that, that, that always stuck with me is, is yeah, it, it's not necessarily about the hours of time people put in, but it's recognizing when you have long days like that and you know, like someone standing around for a few minutes doesn't mean that they're completely slacking off all day long. For sure. And so, no, go ahead. I was going to say, it's funny how many of these stories are about enforcing some blanket rule that doesn't take into account individuals. Um, Cause that is a surefire way to dehumanize folks. Exactly. Managed, managed to the lowest common denominator. Right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I, so I, I mean, I think in that sense, it really comes down to trust, right? And if we're talking about autonomy and talking about giving the freedom to work, how and when it's best for us, that, that really comes down to, to building trust. So, you know, you know, on that point, Jim, I'm interested because one of the things you called out in, oh, what happened? Yep. No, I just dropped something else off. I, I dropped one of the little fidget things I, I play with while I'm talking. Playing with silly buddy. <laughs> I'm playing with this thing. It's like a some kind of a Lego thing that nice. 
is on this other thing of this raft that my five-year-old built. Oh, so. that's fun. I've, all my Legos are moved from my <laughs> office. And I, I didn't get to disclaim the ugly office behind me because I'm moving in five days. So Talk about worry. being human. No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, it's perfect, right? I mean, and man, we can go off on a tangent on the whole Zoom thing. Oh, yeah. um, you know, it, it was it was fun in the beginning. And I, I can't remember who I was talking about talking to this. Oh, someone... Someone for the na- from the neighborhood came by and we were just chatting and he was like, "This is really hard working from home." And I'm like, "Why?" You know, and he because again, like for us, for us, it's like we've just done this for so long, so it's interesting to get his perspective. And he's like, "But man, I love the Zoom thing. It's so cool." I'm like, "I am so burned out on the Zoom thing." And he's like, "Why?" And I'm like, "Because like this is an opportunity." And I don't know if we talked about this last time, but if we did, I'm going to repeat it because I think it's worth repeating. I have found that these video conferences right now are so refreshing and amazing because it truly humanizes people, you know, and, and even people that I, I don't tend to be intimidated very easily, but I, I probably put a little bit more emphasis on corporate titles than I should. And, you know, I know like C-level people and senior vice presidents, and I, I kind of picture them in a certain way. And now I've talked they have to their dog people. barking in the background. Yeah, it's yeah. so amazing, right? Like they're at home. I see their home behind them. They're in a t-shirt, you know, their dog runs in their kids like out in the hall yelling that he needs to be wiped. I'm like, <laughs> I love this so much. This is so amazing, right? Because it, it humanizes them and, 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 and kind of made me realize that I've made that mistake as well, that I've treated these people as something other than human because I've kind of, got sucked into that corporatism like oh it's like they're a vp they're a c-level they're an executive it's like but then you see them in their home and i'm like no they're human and it makes me like them and respect them even more right so for me one of the big things that i've and this is kind of going towards another topic but um one of the big things that i really like about that once the human element is introduced and and we're not pretending we're not human anymore is uh, how much easier it makes it when there are mistakes or when you need to come forward and say, oops, uh, I copy pasted an error and I need to now go back to the devs and tell them to switch this word out for that. Um, Obviously we try to avoid those situations, but when it happens, it's so much easier if you've already heard the person you're talking to's child say that they need to be (laughs) wiped, (laughs) you know? Um, Yeah. But uh, it's a, a nice added bonus, I guess, of seeing each other as, as humans and making a little bit more room for that honesty, which Agreed. benefits everyone. Like it's it, so much better if I feel comfortable coming forward and saying, oops, my bad, here's the fix, than you know, hiding it under the guise of professionality. For sure. And if that can be an, uh, an output of this work from home through COVID, that would be amazing because you're right. It it is so insanely valuable, but so counterintuitive to either what we've been taught or what just inherently we think that is that we need to be perfect, right? And that mm-hmm. we don't make mistakes. And and if we do, then we try to find a way to cover it up or deflect it. And we see it all the time, like you know, when businesses make mistake, when politicians say something stupid, unless that's you know a certain politician, most of them go into damage control mode, and it's like, okay, how can we smooth this over? And it's the opposite of being human, right? Like, wait a minute, we all, we all screw up. We all do things dumb and let's, let's own that. Um, and so a quick side story on how I think insanely valuable this is, and I won't name the client because maybe they would be embarrassed. I don't know. But um, one of our current clients I met um, when, when I was at a, a previous company and I was working with them. So this was, man, 10 years ago or so. And um, I made a stupid mistake, um, a very visible stupid mistake. Uh, at the time, I was running optim- an optimization program for them. I had a, a test campaign where I was um, swapping out some images on their homepage for like the hero image slot, the big image on the homepage, and a couple of smaller images. And to test it out, I I had some black boxes that just had the text hero image and like sub image one. And I was just using it locally to see if I could swap the images out. Right. I don't know what I did, but I hit live, go live on the campaign. 
and it was live for 20 minutes. So anyone going to this major retailer's website mm -hmm. for 20 minutes and hit the homepage, saw this big back black box that said home hero image <laughs> and, and some little black boxes underneath it that said sub image one, two and three. And I caught it and I was cold sweats, embarrassed, oh, yeah. I, I freaking out. Lose it, yeah. <laughs> I lost it. I, I stopped the test and everything went back to normal. And then I sat there for like 10, 15 minutes. I'm like, what do I do? It was only 20 minutes. Maybe no one noticed, you know? So maybe I just brush it under the rug. Maybe I, maybe I blame it on Adobe and say, ah, oh, something went haywire with Adobe right. target. And it wasn't me. Um, I ultimately decided to own it. And I spent the next hour kind of um, doing a quick analysis of the potential impact it had and how many people were exposed to it. I, I called up our stakeholder and said, I screwed up. Here's what I did. Here's what happened. Here's the impact. And here's the controls we put in place so that won't happen again. And the response I got, I was not expecting. It was, let me give you a virtual hug. <laughs> like, Aww. we're on the same team. Like, I appreciate it. And it just deepened the relationship. There was so much more trust there. Um, that, that, client um that that person that human that worked at that company is now at a different company who is a, a client of 33 sticks and we we work with to this day and not because of that but i think because of that humanness i mean we we, we gained a customer for life for life of 33 sticks <laughs> which has been you know seven eight eight years it's you know when you kind of let that guard down and show like i'm human too and again whether it's you know, your kids running in during a conference call or admitting that you screwed up, you, you, you kind of let that guard down that we don't have to be defensive. You know, it's not to say we need to celebrate mess ups and things that don't go the, our way, but life is messy. You know, <laughs> we don't, we don't all have to Jen's backdrop, a perfectly orchestrated bookcase with all the books perfectly laid out to tell a certain narrative, right? Like, no, this is just how we live. You know, and what you see is what you get. And that's my feedback to my neighbor when he came over. I'm like, I'm so burned out on the Zoom thing because everyone keeps putting all these like things on their face. And, you know, because you could do the facial recognition right, and put right. ears on. And then they're like changing their background. I'm like, this is the opportunity I have to like truly see them outside of their corporate costume, to see them not playing a role. And it's, I, I, it's bugging me that they're still covering it up. And I get it. Like, I think a lot of it comes from just not feeling comfortable being human because being human at work has been a taboo thing and been very uncomfortable, but we're all in this right now. So let's just do it. And if we're going to go back to it, ugh. but at least, at least let's have this opportunity right now to kind of throw that costume and mask and role playing away for a while. Sorry. I just went yeah. off on. No, I, I agree with all that. Well, I think too, sometimes like if you make a mistake and you have to own it, um, how much easier that can be if the, the humanity has been established. Um, but I also think a huge part of it is uh, if the client knows how deeply you care. And sometimes that is also easier to show when the professionalism isn't the focus. Um, I, I may have shed tears over internal search at a major e online retailer. Of course, I cry really easily, so that doesn't really say all that much. But like, talk about an unprofessional thing to do, to be over in my cubicle, like, I just want this to work. Um, but at the same time, nobody can ever accuse me of not caring deeply. <laughs> of, of, actually, that's the caring. It's I care. I care a lot. It's kind of my thing. Um, <laughs> but that, that's also part of that human element, you know? Um, no, I think I'm turning right a little bit, but, uh, that makes it easier when things do go wrong and, or when you do need a break, um, if they've seen in the past that, that you care so hard that it, <laughs> it affects, uh, your professionalism, um, that, uh, it's much easier to come and go from it and approach it with sanity and health and all mm -hmm. of that. Yeah. And I think a good output of it, Jim, you were asking earlier, like how do we support our colleagues and our, our, you know, friends and people we interact with, I think just by being human ourselves has a, a, a massive impact. Um, Cause I think that we've seen it in, in our work when we're able to do that, 
um, whether the people we work with are comfortable doing that or not, it's hard for them not to treat us back as, as humans, right? Like the clients mm -hmm. we work with, the fact that we are okay being vulnerable and saying like, this is what we have going on. And, you know, you know, I, I, I don't know what the conversation was, but I was talking with one of our clients the other day and said, um, so I think, you know, Jen's taken the, the week off next week. And, um, so I, I don't want to overburden her leading up to that. And so I'm trying to think about how I can properly manage things so she can go into her time off feeling refreshed. And I'm like, who says that? Right. But thank you. But, but it, <laughs> it but means the world to me too. But, but it's because we're, we're comfortable being or uncomfortable maybe being human. And because we've shown that side of us, it's really difficult for the people we interact with not to turn around and treat us as humans. You know, if, if we weren't to do that, it's very easy for them to say, ah, it's just Jen. She's a consultant. You know, it could be, it could be Jim. It could be Mark. It could be someone else. It's just a role, you know, just throw this at them. Don't, we don't even think about what they have going on in their lives, but because we do open up, we almost force them to think and see us as humans. And I think the, the upside of that is that, they they treat us, I think, on a different level than if they just saw us as a consultant, uh, you know, someone that's they're paying a fee to come in and do some work for them. And and that's where, where um, I, I was going to go as well. And one of the things I found, you know, being being genuine, being open, talking about things other than work, it's actually sometimes made it easier to to push back when say the volume of, of deliverables starts to increase, it, it makes it easier to prioritize. Um, a few weeks ago, I was having a one-on-one -on -one with, with a client and, and, and we were talking and I was just, I started kind of going off, yeah, we've got to get this done. We've got to do that. And she's like, wait, 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 slow down. You know, we don't need all of that done right away. If you need to push, you know, and it was kind of, it was refreshing because I kind of got into that, get shit done mode. And this is a double-edged sword for me, you know, just putting the head down and charging forward. It's good to get stuff done, but then sometimes I don't know when to pull back. And I was like charging through stuff and she's just like, relax, calm down. We don't need it all done at once. We can take our time in getting these things out. Like some of these things we could push out a couple of weeks. Like that's not our business. You know, we want, we don't want you to burn out. And then just, Yesterday, you know, the, the conversation you and I had with another client said, I don't want to burn Jim and Jen out. You know, it's because we've been able to, to cultivate that. They don't look at us as, as that person that's stamping a widget for them. They're like, crap, I need them here six months from now when this thing I'm most likely is going to happen. I, I, I have to be careful about it. And and then let me piggyback on top of that to to tell another story, but but more to kind of put it back to you. I hope both of you feel um, get a lot of fulfillment out of the fact that we're creating something amazing that that's even happening. And and I was thinking about it the other week uh, because one of uh, one of our clients called me up and um, she uh, she is on an account that Jim leads and said, is "Jim, okay, I'm worried about Jim. Like he's working a lot." Like, why are you making him work too much? Like, is, are we putting too much pressure on him? Tell him he needs to like balance things out. I, I'm just worried about him burning out. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like what, what have we created here that we have clients that are paying us good money coming back to me and saying, I'm worried about one of your employees. Are we working them too hard? Like who, who does that? Right. So I, I hope that you guys have, kind of have recognized that in, in the work that you've been doing that we, we have been able to cultivate something a little bit different from a humanistic standpoint and the companies that we work with are full of just their people. And we've talked about it, right? Like we, we get paid by a company, but we work with people. And, and in fact, I've started talking with um, prospects as, as they show interest in wanting to work with us. I said, one of the things I, I need you to truly understand is while your company is going to pay us, our goal, our motivation is to make you successful, to make you happy. Cause if we can do that, your, your company will be, will be successful. It, it just will absolutely happen. So anyway, I, I was just reminding that as you were, you were telling that, that story, Jim. And I think, again, I think it's something we should have a lot of pride in that through, through being humanistic and how we've worked has touched the lives of a lot of people. And it's not only coming back at us and that care that they're showing to us, I truly think it's impacting how they're working with other people as well. So while we're helping them with analytics, while we're standing up analytics platforms while we're running optimization programs, 
I think we're doing something much greater than that, that we don't ever have a line item for in our SOW. And that's that we're showing people a different way that they can work. And I, I truly believe it's not only making them happier, it's making the people that they interact with happier because they're taking that and they're kind of spreading that message. Yeah, and I think we're talking about the the same person, by the way. Um, so, probably, probably. and yeah, it, yeah, and I mean, I think that 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 kind of goes back to, to some of the initial questions I, I asked at the beginning. How do we we support others? You know, like there's you know there's your internal colleagues, but then there are those that that you work with that may not be direct colleagues within the same organization. It's it, it, it's recognizing that and. I'll tell you, it, it feels good um, when 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 you start to get that feedback that they, they they see you as a person and then they want that that long term relationship. They're not looking to just get this project completed, this deliverable done, and then whatever happens after that happens. Well, I think so much of it is just reciprocal. Of um, we treat if we treat our clients like humans and. Um, Certainly, there have been times when we've looked at various clients and been like, oh, they are very stressed. We need to see what we can do to help them out. Um, I'm, I'm worried about so-and-so burning out. How, how can we help other people be aware of their load? And that type of, uh, yeah, it's exactly what the clients that we've just been discussing were doing for us. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's just, a, it builds off of each other. Um, yeah and 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 i and i think that that that's right and um it reminds me of a of a quote and if i haven't mentioned well i'm gonna ask do you do either one of you know what one of my top three favorite books of all time is zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance is one so zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance is one of my all-time favorite books and i've read it eight times and there's a quote in there jen was spot on she was channeling i love trivia uh, um, <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so there's a there's a, a phrase in there where they're kind of talking about this and the narrator's talking about all the change that he wants to make in the world. And he's like, I just don't think you can do it. You can't change the world, but you can change the world. And the quote is, the place to improve the world is first in one's own heart and hands and then work outward from there. And, and I think we've seen that firsthand in, in how we work. Number one, we have to embody it ourselves, right? Like we have to embrace, this is how we want to work. This is what we value. Um, if, if being human at work is something that is critical to, to how we, we, we work and operate, we have to embody that first. There's no way we can teach that or influence that unless we fully embody it. And then from there, we allow that to influence. And then that influence spreads and, and grows. And I, I've shared it many times. I think I shared it on the podcast where Todd from uh, Christian Science Monitor was a guest. But it's a story I, I love to share because not specifically about being human, but it is about being human. Um, just this autonomous way in which we work, we fully embodied that. And without even talking about it, it just exudes from how we do everything. And Todd, I think it made a very, very real impression on him. And, you know, we, we improved the way that we worked and then we worked outward from there. And with Todd, and I, and I won't take full credit, but I'm taking a little bit of credit. You know, he works for a, a publishing company, a hundred plus year old publishing company that's probably pretty set in its ways of how they, they do things. He went to his management team and said, I want to move my family to, to Hawaii for, for a year. And is Jim frozen? I don't know. He might be. I think Jim is frozen. He's listening very intently. <laughs> He's very intent and it's freaking me out. <laughs> now I can't finish my story because it's freaking Todd me Todd moved to Hawaii <laughs> because Christian Hawaii. Science Monitor was very cool. Yeah, right? Like, and they were so cool about it. He said, like, I've seen this new way of working. I've seen, uh oh, we lost Jim. No, we did I've lose seen, Jim. I've seen this new way of working and I want to try this. And they did it and it was amazing, right? So, yeah, I mean, back to your point, Jen, and to what, how, uh, how Jim cued this up earlier, like, it's a huge thing to solve, but we can definitely solve it with ourselves. And we have the opportunity as consultants to work with like tons of different people. So I think we have a lot more influence than men, maybe even most people that work in the business world, because we get to put our tentacles in lots of different businesses and, and organizations. So. Hi, Jim. Oh, he's back. 
Yep. I was uh, in the middle of my story no. and I like stopped cold because you were like having this Scary. intense stare at me. I'm like, did Jim freeze on us? What is happening here? <laughs> my my Wi-Fi went down, but I'm happy to see that the uh, the yes, recording is still yeah. still going. So yeah, Yes, a, a, another check in the positive column for this uh, this new platform we're working yeah. with. Yeah. So, anyways, I was just saying how you know I think it's it's amazing and and how it's we've kind of proven that if you start with yourself and you work outward from there, you can have a massive impact, right? And telling the story about Todd and moving his family to Hawaii, we can see the direct impact on Todd. But what we don't see is how's that impacting his colleagues? How's that impacting his friends that saw him make this move? And, mm -hmm. and, and I think it's important for us to take some time to meditate on that and think like, man, you know, we're making, we're making a difference. And again, it, it might be hard because a lot of these things that I think we're making a massive difference on aren't really even related to analytics. Right. And I often tell people, I think we're the world's most experts in this digital analytics space. Um, but, but honestly, it's an excuse a lot of times to get in and just change the way people work and think. That's what I, for me, I get the most enjoyment out of. The work just kind of, it's like, yeah, yeah, we're really good at it, but we just need an excuse to get in there to kind of shake things up and make you happier at work, you know? Yeah. So, anyway. A principal level, you know, uh, analytics architect and principal level human. <laughs> Very good it. at humaning. We're, 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 we're good at being the humans. So We are. Yeah. Not that I'm amazing at being like, I, I'm not a flawless human. That is not what I'm saying. Um, I'm being good at being human. vulnerable and full of mistakes. And that's so. what humans are, right? We're all, we're all vulnerable. We're all full of mistakes. We're all, you know, we, we always think that everyone else has it together and has all the answers and it's, we don't, right? Like none of us do. We're all figuring it out and we're all making mistakes. And I think the more we're able to be comfortable with that, I think, the deeper and the richer, richer the relationships we can establish because you, you know, you take down that wall that need to be defensive and perfect. And it's just like, man, this feels so comfortable. You know, yeah. it feels so good. Well, like, I mean, I can be incredibly socially awkward. Like I'm the one who, who, who will, will stutter through something. We'll, will combine two different words or phrases. And I'm like, I'm also the one who decided he wanted to start a podcast. Yeah, so, go figure. <laughs> and, and and we're what like 117. What this is we? like 100. This is episode like one 113. It's awesome. <laughs> Way to so. go, Jim. Well, you could have you could have uh, you could have just cashed it in and just been good as the mascot and not had to uh, talk to anybody. But I'm glad that uh, you did this and you overcame your fears. And this podcast has been awesome. And in fact, I had. Um, I had a guy reach out to me, um, Alex, who we interviewed um, and was one of the final candidates. We ended up hiring Jason Bull, um, but the, this guy, Alex, is is really super amazing. I kind of wish I had the, the budget to just hire both. It sucks mm -hmm. how it comes down to that sometimes, but him and I have stayed in touch and he reached out the other day and just said, hey, I want to say thank you for putting together the, the podcast and continuing yeah. to put it out there. Um, you know, I listen to it all the time. You guys have had some very timely subjects and I really appreciate it. So um, that's great. You're definitely making a difference, Jim. So I'm glad you 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 kind of were uncomfortable to get this thing going because it's been good. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. so this oh sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like if if we were to tie it all up in a bow, I'd pretty much just say it's about putting yourself out there and being vulnerable and real and yeah, being kind then when others are vulnerable and real. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it, it's those that put themselves out there that that get somewhere. So I put my totally socially awkward self out there and drag others and say, you're coming with me. <laughs> and, we, and, and, and we went along and it's been awesome. So and this has been a good conversation. Again, I think I think very timely. And again, if if we can give a little bit of advice as people walk away, we, we, I don't know. I don't know what what the business world is going to look like as there's some kind of normalcy we return to later this year, next year, who knows when. Um, and if we go back to the way things were, I think it would be sad. I, I mean, I definitely think there'll be some lessons learned. I don't think it will be exactly that way, but I definitely don't think that the autonomy and the freedom we have now will be hundred percent replicated when we go back into the office. It just won't happen. So, you know, take advantage of this time and explore it and, find out how amazing it is to, to have this. And, and again, to be human, um, don't, don't, don't hide yourself on zoom and backgrounds and 
just take advantage of this time to be normal and human. It's okay. Yeah. We we all yeah, we all we all want more of that. Yeah, don't have the perfectly curated bookshelf with all of the the high end literature you didn't read. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. If I had a dime for every book, I have a problem buying books. Yeah. 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 As somebody who's moving this week, I definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Books are heavy. Although, although I, I was reading an argument on it, it tends to come up and I can't remember, was it John Narong um, who, who said that, oh, there's like a Japanese word for that where you just like, have yes. a, <laughs> um, and I've been thinking about that ever, ever since. But then I, I was reading this article this morning and I'm like, who cares if you buy a book and then you never end up reading it? Like the return on an, an investment on a book is so massive, right? Like if you just take one good idea out of a book, I mean, we're talking about $15 for a book. I mean, and if only one good thing comes out of it, that's massive. Like think how much we pay to go watch a stupid movie or, you know, pay to take courses. It's like, so don't feel bad about buying a book and not finishing it or, don't, or not even reading it because the cost is so low and the upside is so massive. Mm -hmm. Even if moving them is a pain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, good luck with the move and congratulations. Thanks. Good luck. That's awesome. <sighs> Thank you. Yeah. Lots right. of opportunity to be human with that. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, thank you both much for, uh, for joining us this week. It was a really fun conversation and uh, we'll go ahead and wrap up there. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Thanks, Jen. Thanks cool. Jen. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.